Welcome back to this week's episode of Unbranded with Miss Dean Loves You. I am your host, Susie Dean. Today, we have part two of our conversation with Rachel, which is hilarious. And also, the audio is horrible on my end, not on hers, which is totally fine because she says all the funny stuff. I don't know how many of you follow me on Instagram, but I went on a tiny bit of a rant when I realized how bad my audio sounded because it's so frustrating because my husband has this very expensive, fancy microphone that he uses for work that I use. So I'm like, why does my audio sound so bad? And he's like, you have to sit two inches from it really close like all the other podcasters do so that it picks up on all of your noise. And I was like, okay, well, Robbie, if this microphone is so expensive and fancy, then it should be able to pick up on all of my voice conversations no matter how far away I am if I want to lean back in my rocking chair a little bit. Anyway please forgive me. Audio will be much better from here on out. It's all a learning process. So enjoy this conversation with Rachel. I will say I was cracking up while I was editing this in the kitchen. And I know that you are going to have just as much fun listening. If you have any stories that you also want to share that are related to this or any comments, always feel free to shoot me an email, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you guys. I hope you enjoy. And I worked at our apartment complex, so I also got the back end of our roommate dispute. And it's unfortunate because we fell in love. Well, I don't even know if you tore our apartment complex or if I toured them all for us. I tore them. I don't all remember all. either. You were at home. I remember calling you at Panera Bread with my mom and kind of giving you the breakdown of like my top three because we wanted to live together and we had to work out your budget, my budget location what was viable for transportation yeah i i want to say a few things so like because i i feel like i don't you you have so much more info here but looking back on um our college years which i feel like we're i don't know i was only in college for like three three years and change um i we went to community college first um and there's just something about um like college towns that just get away with so much like they get a like okay we had um we lived in a themed apartment complex <laughs> like i need you to like dwell on that for a second how fucking insane that is <laughs> yeah there's no like strict rules to my knowledge and please correct me if i'm wrong um, that non-students like couldn't live there, but it was extremely that would be against. That would be against um, what's that the law? law? I don't know what like, <laughs> but that would be against fair housing. But the fact, like, and, and I knew that there were families there, like one or two families in this huge complex. But like, who in their right mind would do something like? I don't know. Um, I would. It was four hundred. $69 a bed. I was going to say it was like rent was $460. You would die, just look up average rent prices in DC and like, think about that. Um, <laughs> uh, like I, <laughs> the layouts were like, yes, every, like every bedroom had its own bathroom. Great. But it was just like, you had to live in this like themed apartment with like pre-bought furniture that has gone through like I don't know. I, I like cringe to think of how dirty and disgusting those like couches, uh, those uncomfortable couches and chairs were. 
And then like a ridiculous like outdoor pool with like a TV and a gym. Dope as fuck. It was not dope. It was all fucking weird. Like, (laughs) were you there when we installed like the twenty foot TV by the pool? Like, no, this is not how real people live. Is just what I'm. Gas grills on game days. We have the biggest pool in Gainesville. Okay, you also, if you wanted to, like, save some money on rent, which we did, like, you got paired with random-ass people who would be living with you, and you, like, like, you couldn't get out of that lease, or, like, you could, but it was very difficult, and we lived with, like, a witch, you know, and we've already been over that, <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's fine, and, like, <laughs> it turned out into a good, I don't know. A fun story to tell. And then, like, our, I don't know. Do you want to talk about Daphne? A roommate who accused us of trying to kill her. Okay, what? Who had <laughs> sneaking into the window. When did she accuse us of trying to kill her? I knew about the boyfriend this thing. Was, this was information that I got on the back end because I worked in the leasing office. Okay, this is news so, to me. Please, please tell. Our second roommate, let's call her... We can call her Daphne. Who she? We can call her by her name. <laughs> I, I doubt Daphne follows you on TikTok. Like, let's just put it that way. Okay. So, um, do you remember when she, she moved in? Was Lexi living with us? No, Lexi came in after. Okay, mm-hmm. so Brittany moved out. Daphne moved in, mm-hmm. and she um, lived very differently than we did. She was also a full-grown adult living with children. Was she an adult? Yes. Yeah. Or she was like in grad school, but she was she was older than us. Like, okay, we were like eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember, um, she brought a lot of stuff. Yeah. With her, like we did not really have access to our cabinets <laughs> um, or really space in the pantry. Yeah. Which, was really beneficial because I had like a little mini closet, a second mini closet in my bedroom. So I could put, I put all my food in there. I, I don't remember you like eating in the kitchen ever because of Daphne. <laughs> well, no, no, actually, no, I didn't really eat in the traditional way. You were very good at eating like at tables and stuff, but she had, was cooked all the time. Yeah. Like, she made a lot of fish. So like, yeah, that lingers in the, in the kitchen, but like, I'm a big cook. I, that's fine. That's fine. It's just everything else that she did was just. Well, my problem specifically with the cooking was that um, it was cooked and then it was left for okay, so very long. This is a very big cultural difference because I have a friend who is, is dating someone and they live together and um, they make food all the time, like beans and rice, let's say. And he leaves the beans and the rice out. And she's like, that's disgusting. Like you were going to like, it grows bacteria, whatever. And it, it was like kind of a fight for them. And he was like, this is how, like, he's from the Caribbean. He's like, this is how I, I have always lived my life. I am alive. I am healthy. I am fine. Fuck off. I'm not putting this in the fridge. <laughs> so like, I, you know, I didn't really think about Daphne or, or I've never like really thought about her ever. Um, but like, you know, this is a cultural difference. <laughs> it was a huge cultural difference that neither of us had experience with because we had just come from living with our parents. Yeah. I mean, like I have no, no one in my family cooked, so I had like nothing to go off of. So I was probably a little less traumatized than you were. 
Well, it's not, it's, I think what, what it all boils down to is just the mess of it all. Yeah, it was messy. It was and she mess. snuck her boyfriend in every day. Okay, we're not even there yet. <laughs> so the cultural difference, yes. I appreciate delightful. I had to learn that. That was very new for me. But it was the fact that, yeah, there was food left on the stove, but it prevented me from being able to cook because yeah. the burners were taken up. Because we were in a glorified dorm room apartment right. with a small kitchen. There yeah. were tons of dishes in the sink that weren't washed all day yeah. which made it really hard for like me to put a pot under the faucet and fill up with water to make pasta yeah and yes the smell lingered that's gonna happen those are like concessions you have to make with a roommate but it just made the living space uncomfortable for me because then I couldn't I couldn't really be cooking or putting my food away mm-hmm. because of it and then There was one night I vividly remember um, waking up. I don't, you don't remember this at all? You're telling me? Susie. I don't remember anything. (laughs) Okay. I don't, I dated at the time I was dating my boss who also lived in the apartment complex. Hey, I dated my boss around this time too. It's, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Next thing I know, my And I think you had let them in. My boss, the security guard, and you were standing in the living room. I wake up. Matt has a bat on him. And I, this is the middle of the night. I was here for this? Yes. Okay. It might have been Lexi, but I really think it was you. Okay. So, um, what I'm gathering at like one or two in the morning is... The security guard saw someone climbing in through the window from the outside and reported it to the main office. And I think it got back to Matt because Matt was my boss. And then Matt's like, oh my God, that's my girlfriend's apartment. And someone's breaking in. And This is sounding a little familiar. He comes over <laughs> with that because he thinks that there's an intruder in my house, my apartment. And I don't know, through... One way or another, they found out it was Daphne, and Daphne was sneaking her boyfriend in through the window. I don't know why he couldn't come in through the front door. Because, um, like, I'm sure we had something in the clause, like, no overnight guests more than, like, once or twice a week oh, or no. something. We can have overnight guests constantly. There was no rule about that. No, but and no, no, no. There, This is a normal thing to put in a lease. Like, you know, they're... Oh, okay. Well, the only the only thing we had was that like a non-resident couldn't stay more than three days. Okay, yeah. So he was staying longer than that is what I'm saying. Like I'm sure he was coming over every night. But that doesn't. That's it was like a 72 hours. It was like a living, whatever. He wasn't like living with us. He was coming over. Whatever. Uh, I don't know. He might have been living with us, low key. (laughs) That's my hunch. um, a memory unlocked as well now that we're talking about this. <laughs> Little in the clubhouse for like hours at a time doing nothing. Who? Without her. Without her. Oh, the and, guy? Yeah. Oh, he, was- Susie, he didn't have anywhere else to go. Okay, so this is, yeah, he, he lived with us <laughs> secretly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I would have to wake up and like go to work and open up the office and the models and I would find him in like the study rooms. And yeah, that was in a he weird was. position because <laughs> I knew that he didn't live there. 
but I knew that he was my roommate's boyfriend and he's just, and I'm like, you're not supposed to have access to these study rooms. Like, how did you get in here? You're not a resident, but I couldn't really say anything because I didn't know kind of who he was. Not that I ever spoke to him. And I'm like, Daphne's awake. Like, why aren't you at least like with her? And he would just like hang around for hours on end until she would like call him and tell him to come over. It was all very strange. You know, we don't know what they were going through. I'm sure they were going through a rough patch and we were just, you know, like a life rough patch. And um, we had a secret fifth roommate and that's okay. (laughs) And then I'm not sure how all of the animosity started, but it it got to a point where it was- I'm sure it was after someone came in our house with a bat and a security guard and was like, what the fuck? I'm sure that's when it started. <laughs> I'm sure she thought not we called us, the police and was like, "None of us had any control over that." But also, don't sneak someone in through your window in the middle of the night. That there again, like none of this experience was anchored in reality. Like you, <laughs> I mean, like. What was going on? I was like going to uh, my day went from like, okay, think about like a high schooler who has to go to school, which is basically his job. And then there's like all these activities and, and then they go home and do homework and chores and like try to live life or whatever. That's like a 10 or 11. I had 10 or 11 hour days every, that was a norm for me as a high schooler. I graduate, I buy a car, I go to college. I'm suddenly in class for like one hour a week two and then I what like fuck around like (laughs) and I go back to my themed apartment with a huge tv above the pool and like four random ass roommates one who doesn't actually technically live there it smells like fish constantly I'm working in an ice cream shop (laughs) because I don't (laughs) I don't know what else to do (laughs) like this is such a strange time of everyone's life like college is always weird but like having this bizarre like <laughs> apartment complex to come home to was like that didn't help the situation. <laughs> I would come home from Coldstone Creamery, which was like the saddest Coldstone Creamery. I'm sure it's closed down. Like no one would come there. They would go to like other better ice cream places in Gainesville. And I like we were open until 1 a.m. Like I and I would go home at 2 a.m. shower. And, like, try to eat dinner and then go get up and make sure I was on time for my, like, 12 noon class the next day. Like, that was, like, (laughs) that was my life. You know what? I do have a really delightful memory at that Cold Stone because I walked in one day and the girl at the cash register said, you know what? I'm having a really bad day. So I'm going to give you this ice cream for free because I want to pay it forward. Oh. Or something like that. That's nice. Like, I could have also given you ice cream any any old day that you wanted. working at the time. Okay. I definitely took advantage because at one time I was dating you and your boss, Jonathan, me and bosses. Wait. At Cold Stone. You I were always, dating. Hold on, hold on. What? In high school. In high school. Oh, oh, oh. Our relationship got to a boiling point where I, it was just so uncomfortable energetically mm-hmm. in the apartment. I'm not going to lie when I said I kind of was doing everything that I could to get her to transfer to another apartment. 
Yeah. Um, like reporting her for things that she was doing that were against the lease objectively. Um, and then she wrote a letter to our property manager that I saw in her file that said that we were trying to kill her. How were we trying to kill her? Also, was I lubbed into this? Like, or was it you only? It was, it was, it was me and Lexi. Oh, so Lexi was there. Okay. I don't remember any of this shit. And we were trying to poison her food. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, it was so wild to me. And of course, nobody at the apartment complex took it seriously. And um, I talked to Lexi about it. And she said that she, one day, there there were pots and pans in the sink that, um, oh, no. Daphne had left, like, rice in a pot for, like, a day and a half. Classic. Yeah. Classic. And Lexi was just over it because Lexi was very, very neat and clean more than me. Yeah. Yeah. And she took the rice and put soap in it and put it in the sink with water to be washed to, um, as if she was like, Oh, like plausible deniability. Not that she was trying to do anything to Daphne, but she was just over it and trying to send the message that, like, hey, this needs to be washed and we all need access to the stove. Yeah, kind of a bitch move, though, to think back on that. Like, yes, it was, like, tragedy of the commons, all that stuff, but, like, you know, put the rice in a Tupperware and then do that, maybe. Right. So she put soap on it and was like, oh, like, I was just trying to wash it for you, I guess. But then Daphne took it as they're trying to poison me with soap. And then she wrote the letter. And then finally, okay. they got her to transfer to another apartment. I see. I was going to ask you, how did this end? Because I either moved out or she did, but I, I clearly no. don't remember. I don't even remember moving out of that apartment. I don't. She moved out and um, went to another apartment. And it was very tense the day that she was moving out. <laughs> I just stayed in my room. <laughs> and her homeless so how was i as a roommate like because i feel like I, i'm I'm gonna turn the tables here and and uh ask you, yeah um i think you were a really great roommate you were out of my way i mean it's just it's it's hard to look at you as a roommate because you're also my friend and cousin so like i thought i thought it worked out really well yeah i mean we would have some like spats over, I don't know, how to live. I kind of feel like we didn't. All I remember doing is like a big thing for me was cooking now that I like had access to a kitchen and I had a car and I had like a little bit of money and I was like, oh my God, I can like try all these like baking recipes that I've never been able to like do. And I would do that and it would like, I would fail a lot, but I, I feel like I was like always baking and probably messing up the kitchen too. <laughs> No, no, not really. You were always baking and that was great because there were always snacks that we could eat and that you like shoved in our faces. But we did get into little fights over the utility bill. Oh, yes. And you're still like this. I bet it's freezing in your apartment right now. Yes! That's (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. Okay. For the record, let the record show. (laughs) It's winter here. So I know you're not used to this, but like I am not a fan of like being excessively warm if it's cold outside and excessively cold if it's hot outside. Like, so let me just like, okay, in in the summertime here, which is like at times hotter 
in DC than it is in South Florida. If <laughs> I keep it at 78, maybe 77. Oh God. That's disgusting. <laughs> at night we do turn it down to like 76 or five, but like my AC never gets that high. It's wasteful. You're single-handedly like destroying the planet and making climate during change worse. <laughs> during the day we're at 75. At night we're at 70 or 69. That's just not sustainable, Susie. I'm sweating in my bed every night. And then like one night a week, I'd be like, all right, I gotta sneak out and put it down to like And I would know and I would just like turn it back. <laughs> right. That sounds like what we would do. <laughs> And so we would have spats over the utility bill, which wasn't, I mean, I guess we didn't have a lot of money. Um, but what would happen was every uh, bedroom in a given apartment would have a $40 cap on utilities. So for our apartment. So it's like no money. It's like, <laughs> it's la- I'm like laughing thinking about this. For our apartment collectively, the apartment complex would pay $160 a month for electricity in utilities and anything over a hundred wait 40 100 anything over 160 dollars a month would get divided between the four of us and we would have to pay extra i do remember so, this so we would get like a bill like you went over you have to pay 28 dollars, and it'd be like what the I fuck <laughs> i don't think it ever got that high i think maybe it was like 11 to 13 dollars oh my god <laughs> not even every month not even every month this happened a few times oh my god okay and then we would have all these, com- you with the AC and then me, I was like, well, you're cooking all the time. You always have the oven on and you're always like running the dishwasher and doing hot water. And so and then it was just, I think that's, like the only thing. that's not a big deal though. I think what it really is, is like, I am really sensitive to AC and I've always been like that. And I hate, like, this is like beyond, like, it is my number one pet peeve is when I am in Florida. And it's like fucking hot outside, like it usually is. And I go into a restaurant to eat and they have the AC down to like 65. And I'm sitting there in my shorts and t-shirt shivering. Like every rush, every like suburban chain restaurant is so, they're the worst offenders. It's like, why is it so fucking cold in here? It's like, can you just, (laughs) I'm not comfortable. (laughs) I'm in this oversized booth with my sugary little drink and I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. That's fair. That's fair. I was just trying to um, sleep through the night. <laughs> That's also fair, but I was cool. Okay, so moving on, I don't think you knew this, but I kind of just wanted to bring it up and like peel you out for it. Okay. Um, you were there when my eating disorder was at its worst. Yeah, I think I was extremely ignorant to the severity of of it. So I remember you were there for like, I swung both ways when we were living in that apartment together. There was one time when I had first started dating Matt, where I was going out on lots of dates with him. So I was eating um, a lot out. And then I don't know what it was, but I got to a point in my life where I was staying up until three or four in the morning, like on the computer, sometimes going to Steak and Shake at like 12 or one, getting Steak and Shake food and then a shake and eating it in bed and then just like eating all throughout the day. And I 
wasn't fitting into my clothes anymore. And I got, I came home to get my wisdom teeth pulled out. And my mom like made a comment about my weight. And I realized I had gained like actually 15 pounds. And then I swung the other way Mm -hmm. and home. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, and it started out healthy. And I think a lot of people that end up in restrictive style eating disorders do experience this as well, where it started off healthy. I was like, you know what, I'm going to start. I've always wanted to be a runner. I've given up on that dream, but I was like, I'm going to try to run again. So I would commit myself to trying to run a mile a day at Mm. our gym. And I'd be like, I want to eat more fruits and vegetables instead of like sweets. So I would, I would prioritize those in my meals and eat that first. And I didn't have a scale and I didn't weigh myself, but I would go to the gym every day and I would run a mile and I I kind of started to get obsessive about it. Mm -hmm. And then I remember one day in like December, I was walking to the gym or walking out of my room to the gym and you made a comment about my body. You said, you look really skinny. Have you lost weight? And I hadn't really noticed Mm. because we were all just like wearing lots of warm clothes and I wasn't really paying too much. Because it was so cold in the apartment. (laughs) Um, I wasn't really paying attention to somebody I was just focusing on like maintaining my running schedule Mm -hmm. and I was like oh I just got I just got praise now I definitely can't stop running and maybe I'll run a mile and a half today and then it got progressively worse and then I would get more comments from people at work or friends about my weight loss. And then that would make me want to work out even more. Mm -hmm. And then slowly it started turning into eating like a bowl of fruit as a meal or eating one time a day and then becoming obsessive about constantly having to fit in my clothes. And then, and then it got, just got really bad to the point where I went home and my parents saw me and they were like, my mom was like, I think you're sick. Hmm. Okay, so, so your take. So you just did. Do you not a, a have few a few things here, and one is like I think it's really important um, for you and, and listeners to understand my relationship to food, which is like nobody in my family knew how to cook. I had frozen pizza every night, and I loved like I loved eating good food, and I was so desperate to make it. And like I said, like moving to college was like an, an awakening for me because I could like go to Publix whenever I wanted. Um, so I loved food, and I despite like that upbringing, I always had a good relationship to food. And as soon as I felt full, I would stop eating. And I never really understood how people like could keep eating. Cause that was just like, like I, I just never thought it was like a possibility even, <laughs> you know? So I feel like despite um, my like malnourished upbringing, <laughs> I, I loved food and I like couldn't understand how people would, like restrict themselves or overeat like it was just such an intuitive almost exciting like thing for me so there's that um two I (laughs) two a few things I want to say on this one is like I did notice um I I wasn't really like in the house much I think once I like had um like I was in I was doing band for most of the time we lived together and I had uh, like the UF marching band and I was gone almost every day for rehearsal. So like when I did notice that you were like only eating fruit or like, I I remember you were like really into fruit. (laughs) And um, if I made something or I was like 
trying to like feed you dinner because I think we would do that sometimes and you would you would say no I would be really confused but I also like you're a really stubborn person so I I knew it was like I was wasting my time if I tried to get you to eat but I never really thought any more beyond that you know what I mean like I was just like okay Susie's not eating um whatever <laughs> I'm, I'm going to eat because <laughs> I'm hungry <laughs> um and then another key memory and like I don't know if you how much you want to get into this but it is like kind of the we talk about it all the time um so me and my friend Becca um you I don't know who started this first was it because she like also had a little of well like a she kind of flirted with this um fasting thing for a while and you all did the master cleanse (laughs) which which like okay do you want to introduce it first like what do you want to talk about what the master cleanse is and whose idea it was yeah so there was a time in when was that like 2000 probably like 2010 to 2014 if I were to just guess Mm -hmm. was a time where cleansing and juices and like doing these really restrictive and um quite frankly dangerous things to your body (laughs) was trendy and it was all in the name of health Mm -hmm. and resetting your body and metabolism Mm -hmm. i i don't i came up with the master cleanse idea because when i was a senior in high school i worked at a retail store and my boss who was an adult had told me about it, Hmm. I don't know why, and said that um, her and her friend did it, and and then they felt amazing after. Mm -hmm. Cleansing your body of toxins, like. So energized. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds really cool. I want to feel that way. So I think I had brought it up in conversation. I think Becca had also heard of it. Yeah, so this is maybe more popular than we think, because like, her friend's mom did it and like was talking about how she would like have to lay on her side in bed and like rub her stomach (laughs) to like do something with her digestion maybe before or after you took the like shit yourself tea and then then, like (laughs) shit your brains out yeah there was a lot of shitting involved in that cleanse the cleanse was you don't eat anything. <laughs> the cleanse is basically starve yourself. But no, no, no. There is a let's talk about the ramp on and off of the cleanse. Because I remember if you don't, because yeah. I I tried doing this with you <laughs> and I could We're not like, hang. Yeah, it's such a healthy relationship with food. Well, okay. So you have to eat the first day. You eat only live like salads, fruits, whatever. Do you remember this? And and. Let's say a day or two because I don't remember the exact. So you're essentially doing raw vegan. Yes. And then you are only doing fruit. Um, I'm not unsure about that. But then there was a day where you only drank orange juice and water. <laughs> no, no, no. It was not orange juice. It no, was- no, no. This is before the lemon thing. There, there, it was like a ramp. Specific. Okay. So then, okay, you can talk about the actual cleanse days themselves because I, I never got that far. <laughs> so then in the cleanse days, all you would consume was water with lemon, maple syrup, and cayenne. Mm-hmm. In the morning, you would have a, um, you would, or. No. That's all you would have, I think. And then the, the shit yourself yeah, tea. But there was 
Then there was a laxative tea that you would have before bed that took 12 hours to work. So that would be poop in the morning. <laughs> and then there was like a salt water drink. Oh. And that made you shit instantly. <laughs> so it was warm salt water. Um, and you had to drink it in like under a certain amount of time. To cleanse your, your body. And I remember, I think Becca was staying with us during this time. Like yeah. She was you need, you need some support and privacy. And I remember she had her first cleanse poop and she was <laughs> terrified. And she was like, Susie, you just need to go in there and it's all going to come out. And it wasn't just the amount. It was like the color. Sorry, guys. Like I'm going to have to put so many trigger warnings on this. Um, and it was wild. I I got to a point, I vividly remember, where I wanted food so badly that I was smelling. Smelling peanut, peanut butter. butter. Yes. Okay. You would keep it by the bed to like curb your cravings. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like party I, to this, like you and my best friend like doing this. And I'm like, this is normal. This is fine. <laughs> and uh, wait, let the record show. I tried to do this and I did the raw vegan day and I um I got a headache like I have really bad headaches and I and I still do. I got a headache so bad that I was like I'm done. Like I need bread. Like my body is rebelling and I I'm going to die if I try to do any more of this. <laughs> Thank well, yeah. So I don't if that was bad and that was there was a lot of that culture going on mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that definitely contributed to it, but that was not, not a good time. And then I did finally recall a part of the conversation that I had with my boss and I, or maybe I looked it up and they were like, we felt so good. The colors were vibrant. Everything was beautiful. I felt like you're like, hallucinating because you're malnourished. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like your brain is starting to shut down. <laughs> And like DMT is being released like, when you actually die. I don't know about that. I think you're just losing Whatever. It. Yeah. Like, similar stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, and I just also want to say that I don't obviously blame you for any of the eating disorder stuff. Like, I don't think. But it was so prevalent. Like, it's not just you or me oh, or anything. Right. It was like, everyone talks about this. Like, the magazines, the like. Yeah there was just no one um, refuting it either. Like even I remember you were telling Nana about this and she was like, I do that too. Like I have a day where I drink vinegar, lemon water and I love it. It's like so prevalent. And so like encouraged even. Yeah. Yeah. And there was just a lot of things that we did or said at the time that we would just never think to do now. Yeah. It's a little crazy. But I was I wanted to bring all of that up because I so admire your relationship with food and your body. Even after college, when I would talk to you about stuff, when I was struggling with bulimia really bad, I think I tried to open up to you about it and you just did not understand. No, and I like I mean, to an extent I never will, or I hope I never will, but like yeah, I I, I feel like I also I still don't know what to say because I just like it's uh, it's clearly coming from a place of like self-loathing or punishment or whatever and 
that sucks. And I like hope that you and whoever else is like, you, you know that you're worth nourishment and love. And like, it is so, I think we should just take a moment to like know how lucky and privileged we are. Like we don't have to, <laughs> we're never without food. Our grocery stores have like fresh fruit and vegetables, like year round. Like I have friends here who have done Peace Corps in um, like West Af- West and Central Africa. And they say like, everyone's a little weird when you come back, but the weirdest thing is going in a grocery store. Like I have a friend who like had a mental breakdown the first time she went to a Publix uh, after being in, you know, Cameroon for two years. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I think it's just like, it's just not, it, if you've never really had to be without like this and there are all these other body image things. And I'm not, what I'm trying to say is like, we have so much available to us. Like, why would you restrict yourself when we are at a, like probably arguably the best time to be alive, (laughs) the easiest time to be alive, like, you know, nourish yourself, have fun with it. No, some, I mean, I think about this sometimes like, anorexia is like such a privileged it's a it's a privileged disorder Mm -hmm. because you're you're in a place where you can actively turn down food Mm -hmm. so i actually just read a really great book that i think you should really read um and if it, it it kind of touches on everything we've talked about today which is funny now that i think about it but it's called strangers to ourselves by rachel aviv and it's kind of like the best introduction or best chapter I've like ever read it. So she um, was basically the first, uh, the youngest documented case of anorexia. She was six years old. And the way she describes it is um, she was like kind of a weird precocious child. And um, her mom was trying to get her to eat and she said no. And her mom didn't really know how to take that and was kind of, and then at the same time that her as a six year old, saw her mom struggle to like make sense of this choice. She became really infatuated with this. Like food was never something I thought I, I could refuse. So it was like the power of like this newfound independence as like a six year old. She was like, Oh my God, I can, I can say no. And then she stopped eating <laughs> to just like, kind of, and she was like able to ignore her hunger. Cause she was like, well, this is the only autonomy I have. And they put her, but she was like kind of like the whole process was way more complex than the doctors made it out to be because she was just like exploring this um, basically her first feelings of independence. But then um, obviously her parents were like panicking because they're like, you're going to die when <laughs> we don't know how to like feed you. Um, and they, they put her in um, an eating disorder clinic, um, like health center. And that's she she learned how to be anorexic. She was around all these other patients who were talking about calories and counting like, and being aware of your food and like how good it felt to be skinny. And she like, she wasn't anorexic. She was just like having this kind of weird young onset, like a rebellion. And then she learned how to be anorexic and was anorexic. (laughs) They had to like treat her for it. And I don't know, I'm kind of like doing a bit of a disservice, like definitely read this book. Um, I will give you my copy if I see you soon, but like, it is, it was beyond. I mean, it was so 
crazy to think about. I want to talk about your writing and your creativity and how that was fostered and how you found it because we don't have, we will not get into your childhood, but (laughs) yeah, please don't. (laughs) A lot of the things that you developed through childhood were kind of, it was wild that you were able to develop them. And I'm glad considering your surroundings. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on that. I, I think I have always like been writing stories because I was good at it. And I think it was really like, I had encouragement from teachers, like from a very young age, like I wrote like a short story and like the teacher's like, Hey, this is actually really good. And that's all I needed. Um, But I don't think it was um, in response to anything that like happened to me growing up or whatever. I think I just like, yeah. Okay. What are you saying? like that type of creativity and those um like outlets for practicing your creativity didn't really seem something that was primary focused on in your home or prioritized in your home i guess so i don't know if anyone anything was prioritized in my home but sure (laughs) so so you found that your your creativity while it wasn't fostered in at home like i would assume that it would be for general public Mm. you found that from school and from teachers at school that kind of gave you that push. Yeah. Like I like won a poetry contest in high school and it was like, obviously very meaningful to me because I kept doing it, you know, like it was just like, I, I just needed encourage. I needed someone to like an adult to tell me that I was like doing good or that this was like well-written. And that's like kind of what set me on that path. Well, now I, it's, kind of, it's funny. Over like I write years, <laughs> over the years you've, gone in and out of writing stories poems book Mm -hmm. I think you're currently writing a book Mm, that's generous but yeah so I it's weird because I write for work but I write political stuff so that does not feel creative to me and I still try to make time to write a book I um spent most of high school writing um some soapy vampire novel that will never see the light of day no pun intended um (laughs) but it was an outlet like even though that's like pages and pages of like wasted really weird bad work like that I never showed anyone it was still an outlet for me and I and I'm like I can, I'm fi- I'm doing it again basically in hopes that like I don't know someone will read it eventually but yeah it's always been an outlet I think that's fair to say I think that's great that you are still making time for creative writing because it's it's clearly something that you're passionate about or that is a comfort to you or that is just something that you enjoy doing. And it's so easy in adulthood to be caught up in um, work and our, our general adult lives that we put a lot of our hobbies to the side, especially if you're in a field that prioritizes the skill that you also do for fun. Yeah. I actually want to emphasize that point because I feel like it is the last thing I want to do. And like part of why I haven't been writing as much in the new year is just like, if I am working on an op-ed all day, the absolute last thing I want to do is like open up my Word document and, and try to work on this book. Like I just, I won't do it. It feels like work. Um, so I am struggling to find that like separation. And frankly, I like haven't been writing the last few weeks. So how did your idea for your newsletter come out? <laughs> and I also have a newsletter. Um, the newsletter came of a few things. One is I wanted to teach myself HTML. So that was like a challenge because I'm using this like pretty shitty free service to like make my own email. And that's 
part of the challenge. And two, um, I don't have a Facebook, so I'm, I was kind of looking for something to like share life updates with like friends and family. Excuse me. That wasn't, um, Facebook. And now it's like me trying to be funny and write hot takes. <laughs> it's awesome. I Thank love, you. I, 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 I have loved it since the beginning. You asked me to be on your email list for a newsletter. And I was like, what is a newsletter? <laughs> and I get newsletters from like websites that I bought things from with like updates on products and I don't care. Yeah. And like blog posts that they've created. Got your first one and I got to read through it. And it was, you're just such a beautiful writer. Not that you are writing like eloquent literature in these newsletters, but you write in such a way where it feels like you have such a strong voice and you are able to articulate your thoughts and feelings and opinions in a succinct, digestible and relatable way, Thank which you. I think is very hard for a lot of people. And I always look forward to reading your newsletters. It's just a lot of fun. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm, I mean, I don't, I think the last few I've kind of devolved into like, um, I would say like political satire, which um, like I used to write about like what's new in my life and maybe I should get back to that. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Okay, well, I need to read the one that you have going out next week, and I will give you my take. All right, please so do. We'll end with five random questions that I do with every guest. I have some notes on my walk last night. Oh, no, I just wrote Rachel. My <laughs> that's, that's not a question. My notes app is chaotic. I have something called uh, a ghoul pool, which is like a list of 10 people I think might die this year. And if I'm right, then like I win, you know. Sorry, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> like G H O U L. Yeah, ghoul pool. We should do this. We should get in on this and have like a little betting thing. Okay. I don't want you to imagine how we got to this um, discovery, but the ghoul pool is celebrity based. We can no, cut this. We can cut this. Oh my god. Okay. Um, what is your ideal or your um, go-to drink order? Black Manhattan. What makes it black? Um, Amaro instead of Sweet Vermouth. Worst book habit. I dog ear my pages and I don't care. Who knows it? Hot take. Opinions on. I have lots of opinions. Do you want, do you need like more? You got to narrow it down. Everyone should buy their books from. Not Amazon. Anywhere else but Amazon. If you are a liberal listening to this podcast and you use Amazon, like, grow up and just go to target or like literally any other less bad corporation. I don't want to live in a, in a world monopolized by Amazon. Hot take done. I think I might want another hot take. Okay. Um, I don't know enough about this. So I'm, I've, I've been dabbling like whether or not I should ask you what's your hot take on this um, Jill Biden kiss. I don't even know what you're talking about. Kamala Harris's husband and Jill Biden kissed at the state of the union. Oh, um, my hot take is if you think that's important in any way, you should go outside and touch some grass. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Um, and finally, I think this is my last one. Oh, what is your hot take on having children? It's so funny you bring that up because I think my opinion has changed. Um, actually, I listened to a pretty revelatory podcast um Ezra Klein and oh no sorry it was Vox in the weeds um Drew Jerusalem Demas and a few others were talking about um overpopulation climate change birth rates 
and all these things that like I thought I knew about and like I had opinions on like the future sustainability of our world and it totally just like upended all of these things you know I'm going to take Vox at face value so like I did not like fact check everything they said but um yeah I think uh I think one of the main takeaways though that really kind of got me thinking was like it is just inherently good to have a younger population it breeds like innovation um more caretakers for the elderly like old people more old people than young people is like a huge strain on our government um and like we'll just generally like slow things down um like if you are in the sandwich generation and you're taking care of like a young child and your aging parents like that's it's just something that I think we're not really talking about I've seen more and more of it but that's like kind of an impending crisis (laughs) um and we're seeing it in like uh in is it China or Japan like their aging population is uh like that it's just a huge drag on their economy and um people are not having kids um so I I think from a like really uh unemotional um standpoint I used to think uh having kids was like uh irresponsible for our climate and our <laughs> I don't know it was kind of a pessimistic take on that um like you know you could just adopt but um it's actually a lot more complicated than that and um I think uh have kids if you want to have kids but also if you think you're going to be a bad parent maybe don't have kids and don't feel pressured to have kids maybe don't <laughs> that's my hot take okay tell everybody where they can find you okay you can find me <laughs> You can find me on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet about work. I just try to be funny. That's at Rachel Ray. Um, I have a website, um, rachelray.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-R-E-H. And I have a newsletter on that website called Cracked Up that you could subscribe to. Um, The emails will end up in your spam. So I I don't know what to do about that. I don't know anything about email website building. I'm really just flying by the seam of my pants. But that's where you can find me. Is that is that the phrase flying by the seam of my pants? Right. <laughs> Hold on. Flying by the seat of my pants. Oh fuck! Well, <laughs> there you go. If you use too many idioms, your brain just starts to melt. <laughs> I taught you something new today. Thank you. I love that we're ending on a note that really illustrates how much of a dumb bitch I am so there was a girl in high school that I was friends with who would say um uh we'll play it by year (sighs) play it by year English is my first language though like I don't have an excuse or anything um okay thanks for sitting with me and being open and talking about things other than um business I really appreciate it we didn't even talk about business maybe next time I know I think there was a lot of value in this. I think that the conversation went to a lot of good places authentically. Well, thank you for having me on Unbranded. Unbranded. This team loves you. I hope you have the best day ever. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Unbranded with Miss Dean Loves You. We had a hoot and a half talking to each other. If you guys have any guests that you want me to bring on or topics that you would like me to cover, please let me know. I love hearing from all of you guys. And if you like this podcast at all, 
it would mean the world to me if you rated it, commented, left a review, subscribed, all the things, shared it with your friends who you think might enjoy it. It helps me out a lot. It makes me feel super happy. And I love going on this journey together with you guys. So I hope you have the best day ever. Miss Dean loves you. Same time next week. Bye.